I'm probably one of the very few people on your show that believe that you don't have to have a big team to have a really big business. Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. Welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Jen Burns with eXp Realty in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Last year, she closed 78 transactions with a total sales volume of $19 million. Her average sales price was $243,000, of which 60% were buyers and 40% were sellers. She is a solo agent with two assistants. Welcome to the call, Jen. Thank you, Mike. Hey, Jen, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm real excited to talk with you. But before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Okay. Um, well, I was a soccer player growing up, and I attended the University of Mississippi on a soccer scholarship. Um, so I played there, and then um, I got drafted to play pro soccer in the United States for uh, in Philadelphia for a year and then um, came back to Baton Rouge ended up going to grad school and then uh, I got my first coaching job at uh, the university at Louisiana Tech University I was 24 and I started that soccer program from scratch Wow! Um, so I did that um, for a few years, got married, wanted to have a family. My husband was in sports medicine at the time at the university. And so we just kind of both changed careers at the same time to have a family and kind of get out of college athletics. It's, you know, big time restraint on that. So uh, I got into <laughs> yeah. real estate and I really got into real estate because I was watching a lot of flip that house and we had bought our first house. My husband's an Eagle Scout, and he started redoing a bunch of stuff. And I was like, wait a minute, you know, we, we could flip a house. So I really got my real estate license to, to be able to find my own properties more, more than work with clients. So that's how it all started. First, a quick word from our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's freereferralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Do you still flip properties today? Yeah. Yeah, we still do. Wow. That is really cool. So you got into it like most people do for the investment aspect, in this case, the flipping of the properties. Why did you start to sell prop? Why did you start to sell homes to regular folks? Why did you start acting as more of a broker instead of a flipper? Um, you know, I liked real estate. I just, I, I got a slow start. Um, I was, you know, do we, at that time we were doing a lot of the work ourselves. And so that was a big, um, time constraint that we had and um then I just I was in a small town and it, it, it was very hard to break in to real estate uh everybody knew a realtor and I wasn't from there so it was just kind of hard to break in so we did the flips until I could start get to get going um and we lived there for about four years before we completely got relocated back down to Baton Rouge when you say a small town, how small was it? Uh, Ruston's probably 20,000 people. Okay, 20,000. And then you're now in Baton Rouge. How big is Baton Rouge? Probably close to a million if you count all the surrounding areas. So a much bigger place, a lot more people to talk to. Yes. And th did you say you're from Baton Rouge? Yeah. So you were able to tap back in the family and friends and people you knew from school and things like that? Uh, somewhat. I didn't keep track of a lot of people. You know, Facebook has helped with that. I have a, some family here, but uh, I was pretty much starting from scratch coming back here. It's been 20 years since I really lived here and, you know, had any kind of, you know, big sphere of influence, I guess. 
So you had to kind of start from scratch. That's that's pretty good. So uh, when you say you had a slow start, when you those first four years in the small town, uh, were you selling to? Uh, were you acting as the bro in the broker capacity? And if so, what kind of volume were you doing? Well, I was just an agent. I started with Cobalt Banker, um, and like I said, I was flipping. But my first year, I think I got licensed in March. In that first year, I made like seven thousand dollars. Like, <laughs> that's it. I always tell people there's not a one or two or anything in front of that. It was like. 50 50 split i think i made like seven grand so yeah i i can remember sitting on at the duty desk like googling how to get business because i i was trying i mean i wanted to but i just really didn't know how wow so there is there's there's help for people out there that start slow there there's gross Some of us too i had a slow start too so i completely understand now, how about the, the second, third, and fourth year while you were there? Did things start to pick up? Yeah, the second year, I think I was more in like the 20000 mark. But, I mean, I was selling small houses, fifty, sixty thousand. 60000 I can remember doubling, double ending a $103,000 house and being like, I'm going to make six grand and thought that that was a ton of money. So, it, you know, it's – quite different now than it was back then. But, um, I had my daughter my second year. So, um, I kind of shut things down in, in August through the end of the year. And then by my fourth year up there, I was close to a hundred thousand and then we moved. <laughs> <laughs> right now. Uh, how many closings was that? Was that your fourth year? When you say a hundred thousand, try to help people that don't, they're trying to put it in number of transactions closed. Oh, I, I have no idea. That was a long time ago. I have, I don't really know, but the, my price point was, it was probably 30, I guess. I mean, it was a low price. It, it's a, it was a fairly low price point. Sure. Yeah. That's why I was wondering if it was a lot of units at a really low price yeah. or where you were at. You just had to take whatever you could get. Let's talk about, um, that first year that you went to Baton Rouge and you had to kind of reinvent yourself and start mm -hmm. over, how many closings did you have that very first year? How did that go? Um, man, you're making me know my numbers and I don't really remember all, all those numbers way back then, but we moved back here at the end of 2010. So 2011 was my first year in Baton Rouge. And I can remember you know, not really knowing how this was going to go, not really having any database. But I, when I uh, moved, I switched to Keller Williams in 2011. And I spent probably the first 60, 90 days just really learning as much as I could. Um, I pounded the phones, expired, did a lot of expireds and for sale by owners. That's when Craigslist was starting. So I posted a lot on Craigslist and it, it took me, you know, in that first six months, I only had two or three closings, but after about six months, it really kind of, it, it picked up. So at the end of that first year, I, I was able to still be about a hundred thousand in, in a new city. So you like to track how much money is coming to you, your GCI. It sounds like that's the number that you like yeah. to focus on per, instead of units. Yeah. I, I guess so. That's well. That's I, the most important number, isn't it? What you take yes. home. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's very good. I'm just trying to use it. Uh, I like transactions only because people in different markets can then kind of understand what that means. Sure. Just to give sure. them a, a point of reference. Uh, but I understand you focusing on the numbers, and that that's actually a really good insight into your business mind. That you're looking at the dollars and cents, which is pretty good. So thank you for sharing that. How did you, you mentioned uh, some of the ideas of how you were getting going. You said you were hitting the phones, calling expireds and FISBOs, a couple of Craigslist postings, and you started to get some traction. When did you feel comfortable in Baton Rouge? How long did it take before you felt like you were making some good cash flow and uh, living well? Probably my second year. My second year, I did um, $8 million. Um, That's when I started dabbling into having an assistant. Um, I do remember that year. I did 8 million, but I only had two houses over 200,000. <laughs> wow. So my average sales price at that point was 135. Oh my goodness. 
yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot of, uh, a lot of houses. And that, and, and at the end of that year, I was like, okay, cause I was, I was actually a little intimidated by the higher priced people and, um, kind of had like a limiting belief on like, you know, it was easier to work with lower priced homes. And then I was like working way too, too hard. I could be making a lot more money just getting higher priced, you know, people to work with. That's another good insight. And how, and so did you shift? Did you start working with uh, higher price homes? And if so, how did you make that shift? Um, yeah, I mean, over the, over the years, I kind of feel like my business is, um, is getting higher price and higher price. I can see the price point creeping, creeping up a little bit. It's still not like half a million or anything like that, but in our market, our average sales price is probably two to two thirty. And so for me to be in that range, I'm really happy with that. Um, I think I just, I worked with a lot of, uh, I, I think the, when I started to see it go up more was when I started um, working with people that were selling for the first time and buying because they had already bought that first house, you know? And so when I was getting leads and they had to sell a house to buy that, they were more of that move up buyer than, than that first time home buyer. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, very good. Let's fast forward to today and let's let's talk about some quick stats for people. So how many years now have you been in real estate? About 12. 12 years. Very good. And last year, how many homes did you sell and what was the sales volume? Uh, 78 houses and it was about 19 million. That's awesome. And do you recall your GCI? Four hundred and sixty-four thousand. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, that that is great. And uh, and let's talk about. I don't want people to miss this. Let's talk about how you're running your business as far as the team side of it. Uh, how many do you you have two assistants? Did I understand that correctly? Yeah. So I had a team. Um, I tried to build a team, and I was terrible at it. Um, <laughs> And I go, I, I go back to the coaching and the sports, like the best players don't always make the best coaches. And I think people that can generate a lot of business don't necessarily all, you know, equate to the best leaders in terms of hiring, training and managing people, holding other people accountable. Um, so I tried the team thing several times, um, in, in 2016, um, we had a really devastating flood here in Baton Rouge, in the Baton Rouge area, like a, a ton of our market flooded. And um, to be honest, like I just woke up one day after the flood and I just looked at all the expenses that I had, all the people that I were, uh, you know, like I felt like I was paying all for all these leads and giving them to people on my team that were just, ungrateful really for for getting them like I was handing them leads and then I started seeing like the relationship I really feel like this is a relationship business and I started seeing that my buyers agents were developing the relationships with these customers that I was paying for or that were in my sphere of influence or referrals and you know I know that buyers agents don't typically last five to seven years and so when those people are going to call back even if I stay in touch with them if that buyer's agent stays in touch with them and they're no longer on the team they're probably going to call that person so I woke up in 2016 and I had really worked hard in my business I was having some health problems I was um, the most out of shape I had ever been I, I, there was no me time there was no exercise it was just work and it was just like build this team build this team build this team it just wasn't working so I just finally just said you know what I'm gonna cut all of this expense out of my business I'm gonna take it down to just me and a, in, an admin and I want to see what I can do. I'm going to set my goal at 16 million because that's 1.3 million a month. And I know that I can handle that by myself. That's also $400,000 in GCI. And I was like, you know, there's no point like I with my, you know, with other things, my husband works and what we have going on. If I can make $400,000, like I'm, we'll be fine, you know? And so I had to change the way I looked at the business because 
it really was taken over my life and I had to kind of get back things in order. So I knew I wasn't great at the leading and motivating other people, but I was very good at taking care of my clients myself. And so um, I just completely changed after the flood in 2016. And, um, you know, my volume did go down in 2017. It was a little rougher a year that, um, you know, they say your, your market can shift in a day and it did like all this inventory and everything was totally different. So we were recovering a little bit last year from, from that big flood. Um, but I was able to cut, I was able to cut a hundred thousand dollars out of my budget. So that's $4 million less that I heard. That's yeah. 4 million less I had to do at two, two and a half percent. And at $200,000, a deal that's 20 transactions. So I really looked back and said, you know, I can cut 20 transactions out of my volume and cut all of this expense out of my budget and still make the exact same amount of money. And so I, I'm probably one of the very few people on your show that believe that you don't have to have a big team to have a really big business, but you can, you, you, you don't have to have a big team. Well, as you probably know, I like looking at a lot of different models because I do believe there's a lot of different ways to make it. And mm -hmm. so thank you for showing us your model. This is really exciting to me. So currently you're the sole agent. You're doing all the buyers and sellers mm -hmm. and then, uh, you have two assistants. Tell us what, what do they do and are they full-time, part-time, licensed or not? Okay. I have two um, assistants and their sisters. They're part-time. They work about 30 hours every two weeks. So they work at 30 to 35 hours. So they work about 15 to 20 hours a week. They work um, Monday through Thursday, eight to two. They're off on Fridays. Um, Kelly is my admin. She does all my uh, paperwork, compliance, um, you know, making sure the lender and the title companies and all of that have all the paperwork that they need. She inputs all the listings does all the sky slope compliance stuff for EXP. And then Jenny is my marketing person. So she takes care of all our social media. She takes care of uh, our post closing uh, campaign, everything we do for post closing. Uh, she, we do a lot with our database. And so she, cre she creates everything that I have in my brain. She's my implementer. So she does all of that stuff for me. So, um, that's kind of how we divide it. That's great. So basically the way I'm hearing it, you have one assistant. It's just that two people have split that job up, uh, so that they could work with their schedule since they're both part time. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you were to look at your budget, it would be budgeting for one person. It's just, you split it up amongst two people and happen to be sisters, which is kind of cool. Yeah. That way they get along. Um, they like each other and, um, yeah, I pay my assistant, I pay them both hourly. So I pay my assistant $25 an hour and I pay um, Jenny, the marketing uh, person, $17 an hour. So if I go back and look at my cost of my admin is in the $30,000 range per year, really. Um, and, and I have two really good staff members. That's fantastic. That is great. How long have they been with you? Um, Kelly has been with me since right after the flood, since, uh, probably end of 2016 and Jenny is probably about a year and a half. So she wasn't too far after that, maybe six months after Kelly started. And where'd you find them? They were people that I knew. Kelly was a photographer that used to take pictures of, um, my daughter and, um, we, our kids do sports together and stuff like that. And I actually had her taking pictures of some of my listings and doing some graphic design for me back when I had my team. And so it was just kind of an easy transition for her to come and take, take over. I want to talk about that team for a minute, just because there are people thinking about building a team. They're in the middle of the team. Maybe they're pulling their hair out or thinking about shrinking down. So you've got some insight that a lot of people don't let on to. And so let's dive into that just for a few minutes. 
Uh, okay. How big did the team get? How many people did you have running around? Um, I had um, the same staff support, an assistant and a, kind of a marketing person. And then I guess the biggest it ever got was um, was a buyer's agent and a listing agent and me. And uh, at that time, my admin was and my marketing girl both were licensed. So we were all licensed. So we had, you know, five agents on the team that could could work with people. And as far as uh, how long did you run that team that way, by the way? Was it only over six months or did you run it for a year or two? How, how long? You know, it, it just, it, it, it was like, oh, this person quit and didn't work out. And then I go back to being an individual and then I, you know, try it again and it, but I didn't, I never really liked trying to find talent and identify them and have a bench and have that. And it's like, you know, when you, and there's a little bit of fear too, whenever you, you go out and you have all these expenses and you build this big business and then you don't have that big team to, if somebody quits, then if your buyer's agent quits and you only have one, that's your job again, you know? And so I think I just got caught in the messy middle, like the small team. I feel like you either have to go much bigger or stay an individual. But if you just have that one or two people helping you when you, when things go bad and you take all those jobs back, it's a lot um, to kind of go through. Sure. And I think it's really interesting with your background. Of course, you, you had some really good insight into it, but you were a coach. It almost seems like you were you were designed to run a team, but you were mentioning that sometimes a player, a great player, doesn't make a great coach, and you've identified mm -hmm. that yourself, which I think is really wise. Oh, thank you. Have you ever I've thought about it? Go, go ahead. ahead. A lot of people were surprised when I just decided to go on my own, but I really couldn't couldn't be happier right now. Like the stress level is a lot lower and um, I really don't see going back to that. Sure. Let me just throw out one idea that I had off the top of my head for the future. If you ever decide to do it and you may not want to, you may want to stick with your current model. It's working very well. Uh, if you ever decide you want to go down the team path again, maybe you hire someone to be the team leader. You continue to be uh, the operator in the field and they build out the other part of the team around you. Possibly, but I'm really happy with where I'm at right now. <laughs> it's working great. Huh? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. That's cool. Thank you so much for sharing the model with us. Let's do this. Let's, let's move on a little bit. Let's talk now about some marketing and how you're generating leads in business. Let's get into that side of things. Um, so you had mentioned that uh, one of your biggest sources of business is your sphere of influence, your past clients, your repeating referrals. So let's talk about that and, and dig in there. So uh, my estimate, based on what we talked about before, is you're right around about half your business is coming from that. Does that sound about right? Yep, yep. I have about I I uh, redid my database, like checked all the emails and stuff the last couple of weeks, and I'm about 400 people in that. Ooh, I love it. That is fantastic. So your current database is about 400 people, and by working that and working that really well. Wow, this is really easy numbers too. If I, I want to double check what I think I'm thinking here, yeah. So you got about 40 closings a year out of that. It's about one in 10. About mm -hmm. one in 10 people in the database is either repeating or referring a closed transaction. Yeah. Oh, and the, wow. That's great. Go ahead. So what kind of what I always tell my husband when my daughter graduates, she's in fifth grade. When she graduates, I'm retiring, right, is what I tell him. But <laughs> Um, another point I want to make about the team is back to being a relationship business. So if I can keep on pace with what I'm doing, I want to add a hundred people a year to the database in, you know, seven more years, six, seven years, I can have a thousand people in that database and a 10% return on that is a hundred transactions a year of just staying in front of your database. And that's, you know, that's the easiest business to have because you're, you know, you stay in touch with people and your phone rings and it's referrals and past clients and it's no more pounding the phones and 
for sale by owners and all of that. So that's kind of my goal with the database and where I'm going with it. I'm trying to get it to a thousand. How are you going to add the hundred people a year? Well, a, a lot of it is going to be new people that I work with every year. And then, you know, that's a good question. I'm uh, joining some different groups this year and just, you know, with different things that my daughter does. I'm just trying to meet more people and kind of build those relationships. And then, you know, as I get to be friends with them, then I ask them, do you have a realtor that you use or refer out? And if they say no, I ask them if I can. I say we do a lot of cool contests and giveaways, and I'd love to include you in that and, um, you know, go from there. Very good. And so let's talk about this. How, who are the people currently in your database, the 400? How did they make it into your database? Were they all past clients? Was there another source of people that came in there? Um, they're mostly, I would say the majority of them are past clients. Um, but there are like some family um, and friends of just different, different people we know in town. Um, but that's, that's pretty much it. Past clients, friends and family. Very good. I love small productive databases. So this is great. I, I really appreciate you to share in here. So let's do this. Let's talk about what you're doing over the course of a year to stay in front of these people. So let's go talk about your annual marketing plan. What does it look like? What are you doing uh, day in and day out over the 12 months to stay in front of these people? Okay, so um, in November, I sat down with a friend of mine, and we created a marketing plan for the whole year. And so um, what I, I don't look, I don't, believe that you should just call 20 people a day and ask them to send you business. I would stop ask, answering your phone call if you did that to me. So I don't do that. I look at a database differently. Um, so when I call them, it's mostly asking them, it's, it's mostly telling them that we're doing a giveaway or we're having an event or we're inviting them to something and letting them know about something. So the way I look at it is if I have a, like next week, we're doing a king cake tasting event at a friend's uh, coffee shop. So we're going to, you know, ask all our database, like where's the best king cakes in town? And then we'll go get 10 different kinds. And then, you know, for three hours, we'll be at this coffee shop and they can come and they can taste all the different kinds and like see what they like best. But um, so what we we will do is we will email them about that like an e-invite um i created a private facebook group for all of my database because i used to give away things and when i would put it on regular facebook all these people who were not even though it said client appreciation and all that it was just random people would want it and so i was thinking well we got to have a better way to do this and when I first started out, I would give away things to my database, but it was so small that I could do everything for everybody. But then it got to be bigger and the budget was just not there to do everything for everybody. So we created this private group and we put all like as we close people or as they get in the database, we put them in this group. And so we created this 12 month social media plan and we figured out like what's national popcorn day or donut day or read a book day or you know and we went through the whole calendar and figure out what we were going to post uh right now we're posting our king cake stuff we're also posting like the parade routes for all of the uh mardi gras parades we're posting like okay what's good gifts you can give your significant other for valentine's day like just to just to get engagement from them so we we created that whole, for the whole year we have that created and so that's one of the things Jenny does is she goes into Canva and creates like little graphics for each one of those and then she'll schedule those posts for a month so she'll go in make it and then schedule all our posts in the group but so what we do now is when we do a giveaway we may say okay we're going to give 30 of these away so we go into the group and we announce okay tomorrow we're doing a giveaway so everybody knows like when they see something on their phone that we posted, it's probably the giveaway. And they, they all kind of know how it works now, right? It's the first 20 people or 30 people to say yes, that they want this, that get it. And so um, we have really good success with that. And a lot of people comment and 
so I stay in touch with them in that group. I'll, I'll post in that group. I'll email it. I'll uh, text them a reminder. So it's two or three or four different touches for each giveaway or, or event that we're having. And so I'm touching them the 32, 35 times a year, but it's not calling them to ask them to send me business because it's that law of reciprocity, right? Like you just keep giving to them and, and uh, making them know that you care about them much longer than that commission check is spent. And um, then they love you and want to either do business with you again or send you their friends and family. That is fantastic. That is great. So this sounds really good. I want to break that down a little bit more. And by the way, you did a great job of giving us the overview. Uh, how many times are you posting in that private group? Are you posting multiple times a day or multiple times a week? What's your goal? How many contacts do you make? Okay, so we post um, three times a week in the group. We do like a Monday and a Wednesday posting. And then Friday is always for sale Friday. So we're, you know, we just post like a foreclosure that's a great deal or a waterfront property or one of our new listings or something like that. So we, it's about three days a week that we post in there. Excellent. Very good. And you said you've got the, you're using the schedule, scheduler mm -hmm. inside there so you can pre-set it up ready to fire away. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search RealGTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. How many giveaways do you do? How often is the giveaway? Is it once a month? Um... It's just kind of when I get a good idea, like I, I have several scheduled. Could you, could you describe one of the posts that you're doing? Um, like one of the giveaways? Yeah, tell us what's in that giveaway post. Like you said, you come up with an okay. idea. What is that? Yeah, so, uh, okay, so the giveaway that we're doing right now is um, a, a bag. Um, it's from Mardi Gras beads because that's the big thing right here right now is every it's Mardi Gras season. So everybody's going to parades. Well, you have to have a, a good bag to put all your beads in. And so what we did is I just went to the Mardi Gras store online and I bought these plain yellow Mardi Gras bags that have a zipper on the top and they're very strong so they can carry a lot of beads and so uh we have one of those silhouette machines the vinyl where people put like customize things we have one of those at the office and so uh jenny uh did some vinyl on them that says throw me something mister on the front and then on the back we just put jen burns realtor so we'll take a picture of that and then we'll post it in the group and we'll say okay this month or this this giveaway are these Mardi Gras bags. And then we just say the first 20 people or 30 people, however many we have are, are going to um, get it. And so they, they know like we keep track of um, how many people are posting yes underneath. And so when we get to that, we say, okay, contest is over and then we'll either drop them off at their house or uh, what we're doing with the bags this time is we're bringing them to the king cake tasting and so we'll just say, hey, you can come pick them up at the, the tasting. So we try to get them to that event uh, as well as, you know, giving them the bag. Do you take pictures of them when they're picking up the bag and then maybe post that picture as one of the winners in the Facebook group? Um, we, we haven't done that. We've done, um, like, for football season, you know, everybody has to have a clear bag to get into the stadiums these days. And so we did that. We put like um, a beer and some potato chips in a bag and said, getting ready for football season with the clear bags. And we put a tag and we, we gave away like 40 of those. And we did ask people to take a picture of them and post them in the group. So we let them do that. Um, a couple years ago, we did uh, Christmas cookies. So we did like a six pack of Christmas cookies. We gave away 25 of those. And we, we asked people to uh, take pictures of their kids enjoying the cookies so they would 
posting all these family pictures and thank yous and stuff in the group. So, you know, it, it, it's fun. And you just, I mean, they're, they're your friends now, you know, not, you're not just their realtor. So any other ideas you're giving us so many great ideas. Any other things that you post into the group as part of these giveaways or contests or events? Yeah, we did. Um, let's see what else. Oh, we did. Uh, craw- okay, so crawfish is a big thing here. Oh, no, I love so, it. So <laughs> um, we ordered some crawfish trays off of um, Academy, and we we got like a we made some stickers to put in the middle of the tray. So we, you know, we did a giveaway to give away a set of crawfish trays. Those people love those. And this year, actually in April, we're doing like a um, we're doing like an after boil. Uh, kit where we're going to give them a bag with a, a canvas bag with a crawfish thing on it and then we ordered those um, you know those stainless steel bars that are supposed to like help you with like seafood smell like you wash your hands with it and then like this this soap scrub you can make we found it on Pinterest so we're just gonna have this little bag with like uh, on those stainless steel bars I'm gonna put Jen Burns Realtor etched on those with with the soap and then you know everybody is posting pictures of their crawfish boil so we're we're just last year we prepared them for the boil this year we're going to prepare for after the boil um so we just like i just try to look at what everybody's doing right now in in i don't want to give you just like a phone charger or a pen or piece of paper like if i'm going to make take the time to give you something I want it something that you're going to use or you're going to like and you're going to want. And so we do take a little extra time in trying to figure out what we're going to give away, but our clients really like the stuff that we come up with. And so it's exciting for them. You know, what you've been mentioning is creative. I really like it. Yet it also flashed me back to days of old where people would do geographic farming agents and they would go out and they would hand out whatever they thought would be helpful to people at the door. You're just doing it to a nice small group of these people who have become, as you mentioned, your friends. You're building this relationship. Sounds yeah. so smart to me. Uh, do you have a budget put aside for this? How much are you uh, spending each year on this? Um, so this year we went, we went through the calendar when I went through the calendar and yeah, I probably spend two thousand dollars maybe a year on it. Not a lot. Yeah, because it sounds like a lot because you're giving away so many items at a time. Like I was expecting you to say you give one gift away and you're giving twenty or thirty away. Yeah. Because you've got it, it's not like you have this big marketing budget where you gotta get the word out. They're all in this group that you've set up that's free to contact. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the other benefit of using that private group is you don't have to pay to contact them, right? Right. And you can just make sure all the value goes directly to them. Very, very yeah. smart. Yeah. Like the, the Mardi Gras bags, I think I got uh, 30 bags for like 50 bucks, you know, <laughs> and then we have the silhouette machine. So you buy some vinyl and then, you know, I paid Jenny for her time. You know, she gets her hourly rate for putting it together, but I mean, it's, it's not that expensive to hit 25 and sometimes like I'll do, I'll say we'll make 30 and I'll, and I'll do 20 and I'll say, okay, I know these, these people aren't on Facebook and I really want them to have it. So I'll hold those back and just contact them and say, I have something for you, you know, and, and get with them. Uh, if it's somebody I know that I really want to see, hadn't talked to in a while, something like that. I like how you uh, also went through a calendar and you were picking up these kind of unique national days like National yeah. Book Day, right? Nobody would really think about that unless they were looking to the schedule or maybe they were a librarian, but yeah. you picked up on a really cool date that you could make a contact with people. So, yeah. And did you find a list online then of all the national dates or holidays or something? Yeah, you can just Google that. Like, um holidays or national days. I can't remember what we Googled, but you can find it online and they tell you it's, you know, all there's all there. There's, I think Friday is national margarita day or something. So it's just kind of nice to know ahead of time. Then when you hear it Friday morning, Oh, today's national margarita day, you know, then you're like, Oh, I, there, I don't, there's no time to, 
plan anything or promote anything with that. So it's just good to take that a little bit of downtime at the end of the year and plan the whole year. That was really smart. That was really smart. Let's for people who are listening and they want to create one of these Facebook groups, but they haven't done it before. Uh, how do they do that? They can just go in on their profile and they can find group and they can create a group. Yeah, you can just, I mean, you can just create a private group on Facebook. It's pretty easy. And uh, we just put a graphic at the top that says, you know, Jen's client appreciation group and um, add people to it. And then just, you've got to be the person to post things because they're not going to just post things in there. Um, so you've got to be creative and post things to get engagement from people. Uh, so, you, I mean, you can't just create it and then expect a bunch of people to, to uh, post in there. Uh, more good advice. So let me ask this. When you're just getting that group started, how do you get people in? How do you invite them in? Well, when I started it, you could just add people. You know, like I think Facebook just changed your algorithm or something to where – I don't know if you could just, you know, people, you could just be added to any kind of group before. Um, I don't know uh, if you can still do that, but all these people are know me. And so you just send them a request at this point and, you know, it's Maybe not hard. You're, post, you're part of your post closing. Yeah. You give them an invite mm -hmm. to join the group. Yep. Yep. Uh, that is great. Thank you so much for sharing. And, um, yeah, I think that's what we wanted to talk about. So you had this uh, appreciation group with the giveaways. Is there, if somebody were listening to us and they want to go down this path, is there anything else that you could tell them that we haven't talked about yet that would help them uh, create a private appreciation group? Um, no, that you can do things in Facebook, like you can create lists. So whoever's in your private group, you can also create a, a private list to post on your normal feed. And so um, let's say you wanted to put like, hey, check the group tomorrow. We're going to have uh, a giveaway. You can also post it like that through a list in your regular Facebook feed. So not everybody sees it. Just those certain people will see it. And sometimes we'll do that too. Just so, you know, Facebook's so weird that everybody doesn't see everything. Um, so if I don't feel like too many, a lot of people saw it or people may have missed it, I may post it in a, in my normal wall posting or feed posting, but just to a certain list. So I also create a list um, with everybody in the group. Very good. Thank you. Now on the uh, annual marketing plan of your past clients, is this the primary focus, the Facebook group, or do you do anything outside of that? Um, this is the primary focus, the giveaways and the contest or, um, events that we do. I don't do big, um, client appreciation events. I, I'm one person, right? So the worst thing that could happen to me is 200 of my clients come to, to <laughs> one place because I would never be able to talk to anybody. So again, just like I think differently about the teams. I think differently about the uh, big events. Um, I'd rather have 20 or 30 people come to some smaller events because then I get to spend some personal one-on-one -on -one time with each of those people than have like really big events where everybody comes. You know, uh, I have a quick question for you. Are you familiar with the DISC profile, D-I-S-C? Yeah. And do you know where you score out? an S. You're an S, yes. right? Because that's making a lot of sense to me about how you're approaching the business. You'd rather have a nice tight knit group of friends that you work with rather than trying to go out and be in front of everybody. Yes. And it's worked for you. I love how you've designed the business around you and the way you like to work and operate. Very smart. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing that. Okay. So, uh, let's do this. Let's move on. Uh, uh, we talked about your team and thank you for walking through and it basically you are the agent that works with everyone uh, Are you getting time off on the evenings and weekends? Yeah, I mean I probably went on more vacations last year than I had 
ever been on. And the way I handle that is I have a agent friend or when I get one of my friends to cover while I'm out of town. And the deal we have is if one of my clients needs to see something while I'm out of town and it's somebody I've been working with, then they just, um, they just show that for me, like at no charge or anything. But if it's a new lead, what I do is just give them the lead. And I just say, if you can convert it, uh, we'll just split it 50 50. Like when I get back, I'll help with it if I need to go to an inspection or whatever. But again, it's a relationship business and I'm not, and I want them to go and do a good job and feel like they're going to get something out of it. And so it's really worked well for me when I'm out of town. Um, I do work uh, some weekends, but I don't, I mean, I do work a lot, but I feel like I don't miss any practices or, uh, you know, my, my daughter's um, events. I'm all, I'm there. So I try to schedule, like she has swim practice Monday and Wednesday. So I, if I'm going to show, I show Tuesdays and Thursdays or, you know, if I can put all the showings on a Saturday so I can have a Sunday off or, you know, it, it doesn't always work that way, but I, you know, my husband, he's fine with it. He gets to play as much golf as, I mean, we schedule his golf in there. And so it, it just kind of works for our family. So Jim, you talked about your past clients, your sphere of influence. That sounds really cool. I know it's about half your business, but I also understand you're generating business from the internet. What are you doing with the, to bring in internet leads? Well, I was doing uh, Zillow all the internet leads that I was doing were from Zillow. So I have a pretty strong uh, Zillow profile. That's part of our post-closing. I have close to 150 reviews and we claim all our sales and all of that. So um, most of the internet leads I, I have closed is from that. But they've changed, right? Last October, they changed how they're doing things. So um not to get into a Zillow tangent or anything like that, but I'm definitely it, it with their change and how they're doing things. It's made me look into other ways to get business to make up for that uh, percentage of my business that I was getting from them. This is actually very valuable. I was just talking to another person today and they said almost exactly the same thing. Uh, that about four or six months ago, something changed and they weren't happy with it. I want to ask you, what changed and what are you not happy with? What happened? Well, they changed to where the leads don't come directly to us anymore. They go into some kind of ISA program. And then like, um, if, uh, if let's say a lead goes into Zillow and it's my turn to get a lead, they'll call me. But if I'm on a call with you or in an appointment or, and I can't talk, then it just round robins to the next agent. So I wouldn't get that lead. So it's like, you always have to just, when you see Zillow on your phone, it's just like, you got to answer it, you know, or you're going to miss this lead. And then um, sometimes when you're in these zip codes, you know, there, there may be like a $15,000 lot for sale or something. And they're, they're trying to say that these calls that they are giving us are more valuable leads because they've scrubbed them or something like that. But they're still, you know, they, they're not any better than what we we're doing before. So before, if a lead came in and I was at a closing, then I had a, a text that I had preset in my phone that I could shoot off or if I was on a showing that I could, or, you know, just if I couldn't talk to somebody, I could at least text them and get the conversation started where now you have to answer these calls and they're charging so much more for these calls. And then like, um, you know, you get these leads that say, um, you know, here's a lead They're They say they want to rent, not buy, or this is a lead, but they're not ready to talk to an agent. Well, that's not really a lead in my, in my book. So I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, bash Zillow, but it was working for me really well last year and it's not working anywhere near as well now. So um, I learned a big lesson on that of just 
not letting an outside source have that much of my business to where they can change what they're doing and it affect me that much. So that's why I'm looking into some, some other uh, avenues just to make up that percentage of, of business. Thank you for walking through that. I just want to ask a couple quick clarifying questions, what you were doing on Zillow to get leads. So one is, um, I believe you said that you put in your profile, you made sure your profile was strong. Those are some mm-hmm. free leads, which is nice. Also, you said you claim your own listings. That was smart. Those leads come in. I understand those are less expensive. We also do in the third way that I understand the Zillow works where you were putting your name and contact information on other people's listings and getting those leads as well. Yeah. Yeah. You just have a marketing budget and the way Zillow works is you just, you pay a certain amount per month and um, you come up a certain amount of impressions. So you come up with four other agents and then that consumer can, you know, pick who, who they want to contact. Very good. Okay. So you're doing all the things that I've heard of. I, I also, uh, that I've heard of from other agents that they're doing to make this work. It just sounds like Zillow changed its policy in the back. They probably thought it would improve things and it's not. So yes. be sure to voice your displeasure so they know it's not working out because you're not yeah. the first person I've heard say this. Uh, so there's more of you out there. They just need to know. I'm hopefully they'll switch back because that is the problem. You don't know who the ISA is, who's answering the phone, if they're doing a good job or not, uh, if they know what they're, they're doing, if they're asking good questions or not. And then you mentioned a really good point, which is you don't know when those calls and they're going to come in. If you're not there to answer it, it's getting handed off to someone else. It might have been a really great buyer or seller, right? Yeah. Yep. And I could have texted them, but I couldn't just answer the phone right there. I'm just not going to do that to people. So, Right. A super strong, productive agent like yourself is going to give your focus to the client standing right in front of you. That's right. And so it, it, well, it makes sense to me. I appreciate you walking through the Zillow challenge and, uh, and giving us your, your info. And I really like how you said to make sure you don't put all your bag, eggs in one basket in case one of those doesn't work out. You have other alternatives. And luckily you've got your clients, your repeat and referral that you've been working. Yep. Well, Jen, you're doing a lot of volume as a solo agent. And I know you have a couple of part-time assistants, but a lot of a lot of balls in the air. You're juggling a lot of things. How do you keep it all straight? Systems. We have a lot of really good systems. Um, just a way like we use Dot Loop to write all my contracts. I have like every time I get in a loop, we have templates made where I have all my documents there. And on our purchase agreement, I have them like filled out almost. You know, like with. Most of the time when we write contracts, a lot of the contract is the same. We fill it out the same way. So I have all that already pre-filled. So when I go to write an offer, I just, you know, change the pertinent details. So it takes me less time. And then um, that's kind of like our holding area that we hold all our documents in before we put them into SkySlope for EXP. So it all that also helps me with... Uh, my compliance because we shred everything after we close. So we put everything that goes in the transaction into dot loop and that's our cloud-based filing system. So I have that app on my phone. If I ever need anything at a closing out on the road, uh, doing a final walkthrough, I can pull up all any of the paperwork. Um, so that that's very helpful. And then we have a parties of sales sheet that we fill out that I give uh, to my admin. So when I get a new contract, I give them that I fill out all this information so she doesn't have to read the contract, right? Cause she's not a licensed agent. So I don't expect to her, her to know what was countered or anything like that. So I put it out on the sheet and then we, we use a program called next and I really don't know a lot about it because Kelly runs it and she set sets it up. But we have like all of our uh, workflow uh, in this program. And so it basically, we have templates set up to where everything we have to do in the transactions in there and it sends reminders out. It also has like everything that we, we find ourselves typing the same emails over and over and sending the same information. So 
we have templates all set up in that to where we're just adding a name and an address and it's sending out. It just makes our lives so much easier. Um, that really has, it doesn't matter if we're doing five transactions or 25 transactions, that system and the way that we have it all together helps us not drop any balls and make sure that we're not missing things. It also gives us, um, we try to do extra things during our transactions. So like after our clients get a uh, accepted offer, the system reminds us, okay, we send out a scratch off lottery ticket to them saying they hit the jackpot. So our system tells us, send out your lottery tickets. And then after we make it through inspections, we, we send them a $20 gift card to Home Depot to help them buy boxes to start packing and all of the little things that we're trying to put in our, um, in our process and our buying and selling process is in this system where I feel like if we were just trying to remember all of that stuff, it would get lost in the shuffle. But, um, this program that we use is very inexpensive. Wow. That is awesome. So you're doing transaction management. It's working really smooth for you in the back. And yep. that's how you make sure that all these contracts actually make it to close. Yeah. And your assistant is handling all that paperwork based on the system that you set up and you're able to go out there and help more buyers and sellers. Yeah. And then after the thing closes, then we have like, it tracks all our post closing. So there's a checklist of post closing items that have to be done before we archive the file and it's completely closed out. So when Kelly gets done with it, she sends it to Jenny and then Jenny, uh, the marketing um, assistant goes and does all the post-closing stuff. So it really keeps us on track all, all the way through. Well, let me ask this. Uh, you've walked through your business model. People got a pretty good idea of what you're doing. And the question they're going to have for you is this, are you profitable? Oh yeah. Yeah. What kind of net profit percentage numbers are you running? If $100 comes in the top of your business, how, what percent is coming out the bottom that you get to take home? Um, are we talking before taxes? We're talking yes, before, before taxes. taxes. Yeah, before taxes. Um, well, my husband does all my books for me, but I would say probably 70%. Yeah, I figure it's going to be really high. Yeah, because you're doing it as a solo agent. You're acting in, in the total sales capacity, so it's got to be high. Yeah. So that's fantastic. And that includes you having two part-time assistants, and that includes you doing some marketing programs out there, mm -hmm. and the Zillow leads, and I'm sure a couple other things. And so that sounds really strong to me, and thank you so much for sharing. That gives people a target. I, I'm, I've been listening to you for a while, Jen, and i got to ask, what drives you? Um, I just, I, I like helping people. I like the, I like the business, but I'm also like a entrepreneurial person. You know, I like just being successful and making businesses work. Um, I've got some other things that I'm working on outside of real estate. And, and I tell people that all the time, as much as I love real estate, Chasing buyers and sellers is not what I want to do the rest of my life. Like I like to build companies. I like to flip houses. I like to have rental property. I like to try different things. So, I mean, just being busy, being successful, like growing a company, growing a business, that, that's what really drives me. Now, that's a really interesting point. I like what you're doing. So it sounds like you're, you're acting as a solo agent to get the maximum revenue you can, the net profit in your pocket. And you're mm -hmm. taking that money and you're reinvesting it elsewhere to get more passive income and say some real estate investments. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty smart. So thank you so much. Um, well, Jen, if you were going to advise a brand new agent who's just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I tell them to go through their phone, go through Facebook, go through everybody they know and start a database and um, make their own private Facebook group. It's free. Start posting and sharing and get creative and ask people for coffee or launch, take them to lunch or, you know, just, just start developing the relationships as, as quickly as you can. 
Well, Jen, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with success calls is valuable? Oh, yeah. Yes. I get a lot of great ideas from your show. Well, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Um, just that, just think differently. Don't just follow what everybody else has to say and do what is, you know, what's right for you and your personality and your business and your, and, and don't fall into the trap that you have to be a certain way or have a big team or you know, do what you want to do because you know yourself the best. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, thank you. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, Real GTV real estate agent lead generation television and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal demonstrate and discuss their best lead generation methods visit realgtv r-e-a-l-g dot tv if you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage check out my master class webinar titled top five free lead sources for real estate agents learn more at freeleadtime.com that's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.